It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, we are live. I am here with the great William Ramsey of the William Ramsey Investigates podcast. And we are here to talk about Tim Poole's amazing liathon with convicted child killer Damian Eccles. Welcome, William Ramsey. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you again. It feels like old times. We, we haven't done a show in a while, it seems like. I know. And it's, this is a, a great one to do because there's so much to talk about in this interview. It's two hours. The lies come fast and furious right from the beginning, straight out of the gate. Before we start, what? why were the West Memphis Three convicted and what were they convicted of? They were convicted of killing eight young boys. So the murders happened May 5th, 1993. They were arrested June 3rd after Jesse Miss Kelly was brought into the police and he confessed. So he confessed. He was actually, the police asked, because he was underage, they asked his father. So he actually went with the uh, okay of the dad. And so he went in and then it led to the arrests of Damian Eccles and Jason Baldwin. And then uh, court proceedings took place in two different uh, courts. There was some kind of legal technicality. So they separated the, the two cases and uh, they were all convicted of murdering the three eight-year-olds based upon a lot of first-person evidence. People, witnesses who testified they heard Eccles say at a softball park that he did it and he was going to kill two more. And then there was also a family who saw somebody they thought was Eccles um, near the scene of the crime all muddy. So those Covered were, I think, were, yeah, those were two of the compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he, he, and they found that he they kind of tripped him up in court, too that he had information that he could not have had from the papers. So the, the jury saw all that stuff. Yeah. Damien Eccles chose to testify and he just got caught in lie after lie on the stand. Yeah. It's odd. Like he thought maybe he could get away with it, but yeah, you know, it's uh, there was enough to, for the, the juries to be completely. Uh, and two a, juries. A, yeah. Two different separate juries convicted. Him and so when we call him a twice convicted child killer, how did that work out? Well, what led up to their release, I think it was August 2011, is um, this kind of publicity campaign. They mentioned it in this interview that kind of started after these Paradise Lost documentaries, a a trilogy, really. And it led up to a lot of public support. They had the best lawyers. They raised 10 to 20 million dollars. Nobody's really ever seen an accounting of that. I actually learned something out of this interview that they got, according to Eccles, they got swindled out of 200K. But um, <clears throat> it led to their kind of putting pressure. And the real kind of lever that was used was this whole, a new uh, 
it was something was passed in Arkansas that allowed people who were convicted to, if there was DNA evidence, to go back and test that for innocence. And that was kind of their way out of the predicament after they'd appealed everything and it had been appealed to the Supreme Court of Arkansas. Actually, there's actually a good court case. People can see that. So it did go through a full appeal and they verified. Every the appeals court affirmed their conviction. Correct. They went back and tested the DNA in this very general kind of way. So for the people out in the audience that are screaming, who've seen the documentaries and Trench Reynolds, who's a writer, a crime writer on this case, has said before that he can tell immediately who has seen the documentaries and who right. has not, right? right. right. It's Me two too. camps. So for those who've seen the documentaries and maybe following the case, uh, they might say, oh, well, didn't they find DNA in the ligature of the knot of one of the victims? And the victim's name, Michael Moore, Christopher um, Byers. Byers and Stevie Branch. Stevie Branch, right. And um, so it was a kind of general DNA that matched millions of Americans, including this new stepfather. So they moved from one stepfather, who was really their prime suspect in, uh, uh, or for the Eccles PR defense team or West right. Memphis 3 PR defense team that we were, they were always talking about John Mark Byers. Why did he remove his teeth? He was a jeweler. He had surgical precision. He could only have done this. And then they moved to another stepfather and they said, well, we want a new trial. But instead of asking for a new trial, they went to the state and begged for an Alford plea. Now, they say that the state asked them for an Alfred plea, but that's not true, which is legally a guilty plea. So you can maintain your evidence, your innocence, but you're admitting that the state had enough evidence to convict you. Michael Very Peterson also yes. took an Alfred yes. plea. Right. They took it all together. They said guilty, too. They publicly, there was a public, which I just posted on my social media, publicly stated guilty. They pled guilty, not just in front of the court, but in front of all the cameras, too. So that was the second guilty plea. So it's a it actually removed the old supposedly removed the old plea from 1994 and put in a new guilty plea. So yeah, they pled guilty to us. Or they so were just to us. give our audience a little con uh, context, uh, Tim Cast is a is a one of the biggest podcasts in the country. Tim Pool, who's the podcast host, just came off an enormous scandal of having on this woman named Eliza Blue, who claimed to be a sex trafficking victim. And much like the Streisand effect, she was having these old videos removed of herself where she's in a music video sexualizing herself and basically trying to be a star. At the same time, she said she was being sex trafficked. Um, so she, was right, she became an activist too, though, right? Eliza Blue became an activist. So she wasn't just trafficked. Right. She was like... She became uh, involved a in the whole Epstein thing as a friend of uh, some of these victims and stuff like that. Sorry. Right. She claimed she was helping victims. And what came out were people were saying, no, she was a prostitute. And she was also trying to get other people into prostitution. And there's certainly odd things in her story. Like she said that she was being prostituted in West Hollywood, which is a very gay neighborhood super gay okay. it is the yeah. gay neighborhood of la yeah right it's like being prostituted and i don't know the west village here in new york or something yeah, or Cast so, the castro and it's san francisco yeah i'm gonna go work uh the gay bars or something as a woman so he got a lot of criticism for that and instead of saying you're right 
Eliza Blue shouldn't be censor censoring people. Um, I should have looked into her background or anything. Instead, he doubled down and insulted his critics and said they were terrible people and that kind of thing. So, oh, so I, I think that's that. concerning. Um, that reaction, I find very concerning. You I do would your agree. best to put out the best guess you can and the most factual information, but not to correct the record when, when you've been shown to be passing off false information to me seems very cult leader like to me. Tim Pool has some interesting views. I mean, he he's fighting the culture war. This echo the invite of Eccles was on to the culture war number three, right? So right. he thinks that he's trying to change the culture by having these guests on, uh, particularly Eccles. That's incredible. So the culture war, my title is the culture war. You lost, fool. <laughs> That's but it's so funny. What I thought listening to Tim Pool was, are there such sheltered people as, as Tim Pool in the world? Like every There's... reference is a movie reference. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm glad you picked up on that because that's what I had. His frame of reference like, is remarkable. Have you ever played Magic the Gathering? <laughs> but this was one giant colossal L <laughs> for the culture war. This was like a you giant. Simon Shawshank Redemption. He's like yeah, bringing no, up these shot... prison movies. Hey, uh, Damien, did you ever have to eat fifty eggs like in Cool and Luke? Oh my gosh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm so <laughs> so right away he that. introduces Eccles of the of the West Memphis Three. Like it has some social cast. Hey, not like this is a twice convicted paroled child killer we have on as a guest for you today. He's right. of the West Memphis Three, like you know. And then he mentions, of course, the Paradise Lost documentaries and that the state tried to kill a person. And this is a anti-death penalty talking point, which is make the state look like a killer. Make the government is the real killer. And the and he's crushing the little guy and the bloodlust that the state has. And they don't care if the person is innocent or not. They just want something done. Right. No, it's incredible. It was started off, it was just like the Amanda Knox, like started off on the worst foot possible. Like it was just incredible. I mean, I like made it through Amanda the two Knox hours. Joe Rogan interview you're referencing. Yeah, yeah, that was the one that we did where she <laughs> just rolled uh, Rogan. I mean, it was yeah. kind of the same thing. I don't know if they're the, like, she was much more clever than Rogan at that time because Rogan's done a lot of, he's taken a lot of his guests apart, but I mean, mm -hmm. people can listen to our old talk, but she started off saying, Sometimes police have a hunch, and he never mentioned her her like conviction for Colonia. Like she had a legit no, no, right, and none of the real evidence against the West Memphis Three is brought up. In fact, no oh. names are brought up. No names of the victims. No names of right, Baldwin's name isn't mentioned. Jesse Miss Kelly is just referred to as the uh, mentally challenged guy. I, I don't know if that's exactly, but along those lines, the seventy-two IQ guy, mentally handicapped dude, at one point. So no one has any names in this except Eccles. Right. No, it's and it's meant to be kept very vague because the more you get into the specifics of a case, the harder it is to sort of gloss everything over and say, oh, they just wanted to kill me and they wanted to imprison the other two. It was just a community panic type thing. Right. I mean, I think they have the narrative down. They have the kind of subtext. Like Eccles is very mm -hmm. experienced and even admits that at the very end. I was doing all the interviews I could.
So he's, he, this is just another mark, but right at the very beginning too, he confirms that the reason he came on is because he followed Fairbanks and Fairbanks was a follower of his. That's right. And I always, I wrote that down and she says, oh yes, I was a little goth kid. Right. And those supporters I have found have been the hardest supporters to talk to. The ones that really identify with the West Memphis Three and really connected to the documentaries. You can talk about Miss Kelly's multiple, multiple, multiple confessions till you're blue in the face. They won't give you a good reason why he confessed so many times post-conviction against his best interest because they just, they had, they were so attached to these documentaries. They're so right. attached to Eccles and his persona. It's so, so true. Fairbanks, Fairbanks said that the documentary changed her life and motivated her to become a journalist. <laughs> That's what she right. said. So this is like a turning point in her life. Like, dang, I watched this documentary and I was like, man, everything's evil. Why don't you check it out? Why don't you just check out the record? Because I was fooled too by the documentaries. I am Cassandra too, in some ways. The difference is is I'm not willing to put something on my podcast that I haven't fully checked out, you know? Right, no, it's incredible. I mean, I I thought when they got out in 2011... had he had she not been a supporter, meaning I don't do any interviews with anyone who's critical. Right. Exactly. And That's wouldn't that idea. why not? If you're an innocent person, why wouldn't you do an interview? Wouldn't you be dying to do an interview? When you want to change everybody's mind, right? Like right. I want to present this. If you don't agree with me, let's go down and I'll show you all the proof and evidence instead of just saying they were trying to kill me. Yeah, they were trying to kill me. It was a uh shock and trauma, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And and then Damien Eccles says, I don't enjoy talking about his case. <laughs> and then talks about it in detail, right? Then has but all like, the details. He doesn't wants to like get talking out. about it. You certainly have done a lot of interviews, written a couple books. <laughs> that seems yeah. like someone who likes to talk about it. You're always on the news. You're you're this whole stunt of getting the DNA done. He knows from his heart that it's just a public publicity stunt. He knows that. And they did this last one, I think they did was um thrown out of court because they they filed in the wrong venue is my understanding right yeah they filed the wrong jurisdiction (laughs) and plus they've already and that's another thing cassandra asks at one point she says she's convinced this is a dna case right even though that they and so now a couple new things have happened terry hobbs is no longer the main suspect for them they've changed that and now it's someone in the police force connected and that the DA and the attorney general all know who did it, but they were hiding it. And so Tim Poole says something very interesting. He says, "Um, I'm very against the death penalty. um, And this is a story about the government wanting to kill one person and imprison others because it made their job easier. And here's a question for Tim Poole. How, how would that make their job easier to imprison, to Put one person on death row. First of all, you got to convince two juries and then uh, put the other two in prison. Wouldn't doing nothing make your job a lot easier? Right. You don't even have to try to like convict. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're doing in New York City right now. One guy just um, walked away without even a murder charge after he stabbed another guy in a fish market, just walked away without even a charge. That's what we're doing in New York when we don't want to do anything, <laughs> not charging anyone. So I found that very odd. But um, 
and they they sort of skate past um, talking about Jesse Miss Kelly and his no. and his yeah. confession, like it's one. Right. Then he had the whole tortured, right? He had the whole narrative of like they kept him and tortured him for a long period of time, right? Didn't they say that? Didn't they say right. That? And then Cassandra chimes in with something I've never heard, which is two weeks of solitary confinement is now considered torture by whom? Amnesty International? Who? Who? The UN, she claims. I, I've never heard that. What my mother told me is that it <laughs> solitary confinement was invented by Quakers. So I don't know. The idea that wow. you'd think quietly to yourself and you'd come up with a, you know, some kind of enlightenment. Wow. <laughs> I've never been able to verify that, but uh, um, I know what? that they're trying to get rid of solitary confinement, but now Eccles says that he has a whole bunch of new symptoms from being on solitary. He now has a brain injury. He can't recognize faces. <laughs> he loses his train of thought, right? Yes. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, man. I mean, it's just like someone faking um, a cancer diagnosis or anything else. Right. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's good. He plays a good. He's playing a role. He's playing a role. One of the th techniques, if you kind of watch him, when I think when he knows that they're onto something wrong, he reaffirms it with a yes or exactly, and he or a mm-hmm. So he's doing some kind of psychological technique of, of verifying their falseness. So when they say something wrong, he goes, yep, exactly. He says that for two hours. It's really uh, impressive. Wait, so when they say something wrong or correct? No, so when they say something like that, he knows that the facts are wrong. So mm -hmm. like they talk about something like they're trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. He'll say, just go back and watch the first 15 minutes. There's probably like 15 yeses from Echoes just confirming their when they've got it wrong right mm -hmm. not when they get it right but when they've got the factual case wrong he says yes so he's re he's doing a psychological technique on them mm. I, I have all these yeses in my notes of like it says so you are death row this is, cool. sort of like, yeah, this is the yes, first two minutes correct. yeah the, right. right so this is the first this is the first two minutes <laughs> tim dim pool Dim, Dim Tool actually says, you were on death row. You were accused of falsely of taking the lives of three children. Eccles, yes. Falsely accused. accused? How about convicted? I love right. how they say he was accused. Like, it was just a mistake. <laughs> Never really and, checked out. So yeah, and, and, and something and, once. <laughs> and and Pool responds a lot with, wow. Like, wow. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of, like, wows going through this whole thing. It's really something else. If you really take it's, it apart, it's an incredible uh, yeah, I wrote down in my notes, um, puppeteer. I thought Echoes was being like a puppeteer in this. I agree. I, to me, I likened it to a con man and two marks. So if they oh, don't definitely. know their, yeah, they don't know their marks, just like any con con job. He's got them on the innocence fraud wagon train, and they went for two hours. So 
really he's, he, he claims he was killing three eight-year-old children as part of a human sacrifice in West Memphis, Arkansas. I thought it was interesting that he brought into the human sacrifice. Thing. Me too. Me too. Considering that he painted, a, a, made a picture of a baby sacrifice that he and his girlfriend were going to do at one point. Right. I mean, there's human a picture... sacrifices really in his wheelhouse. His lexicon, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah. There was discussions. They were talking about human sacrifice. He asked somebody, "What would it be like if I to kill somebody?" So that's all in those records. Um, all in my book too, Abomination. People can check that out. He right. blocked me. He blocked me the other day, by the way. Eccles oh, did me. he on what, yeah. Twitter? <laughs> yeah, on Twitter. I was posting some old stuff and. Uh, oh, I'm out. blocked. I was blocked. I, I think I was blocked without ever really, ever interacting with him. So. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Welcome so, to the club. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, surprised it didn't happen before, but anyway. Um, there's a lot to unpack. Like you said, you had what, six or seven pages of notes? I have. So let's talk. So they bring up the Alfred plea. They're like, so the Alfred plea is what's that? And um, and he says, well, because Arkansas didn't want to pay, meaning in one of these um, civil wrongful conviction cases, which right. it's unclear to me whether they pay out on those kind of claims anyway. Uh, I've read no, but I don't know. No, it's complete baloney. He said flat out, the whole point of the Alfred plea is that the state cannot be held responsible for what they've done. That's what he said. That is complete malarkey. That's a right. whole other element. The, the whole, there was a different part of the plea bargain, but it has nothing to do with Alfred v. North Carolina, I can assure you that. Right. And, he, and she <laughs> says, well, what if they find the real killer when you finally get to test these new DNA <laughs> things that you've done? That you waited 18 or 19 years to even get go, you know, to get going. Um, wait, how long has it been? Has it been 10 years? 10 years, maybe? Uh, 11 years since they got 11 out. 11 years. So you yeah. waited 11 years to ask for DNA tests. You asked right. in the wrong jurisdiction. And then we're surprised when you got turned down. <laughs> and right. and he's what still if on they the found DNA the real killer from these DNA tests? Could you be vindicated? Would your Alfred plea magically go away? But what, and Damien Eccles says, I don't know. But the thing is, is that the three of them all signed a document saying, we will never sue over any of this. We take, we are closing this case by pleading guilty. It's very clear in all those documents connected to the Alfred plea that they were closing the case by pleading guilty. Yeah, not, uh, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's and uh, they had the best lawyers. Remember, they had this Dennis Rudin guy, pellet lawyer from San Francisco, just died last year. Um, but like they had, they ca they can't even have it's like a Sixth Amendment claim because they they had the cash, they had the coin. And I mean, I just posted the uh, video of the prosecutor. It was a new prosecutor says, "I have no reason to believe anybody other than the three people here committed this crime." Just said it right to their face. Right. But people see that who are supporters and say, oh, well, they can't admit what they have done is wrong and that they're they're hell bent on on. They know they have the wrong guys and they're hell bent on doing it. I mean, does that seem. Credible? Like that no. is no. consistent with human nature to say, oh, there's a guy on death row <laughs> and, and I just don't want to admit I'm wrong. So leave him there. Let him rot. No, it's weird. It's weird that they didn't like snap out of the hypnotism, you know, 
like or have like one moment where they like went, hmm, this does there's something wrong with this narrative doesn't sound right. No, the lies just kept getting bigger and bigger and more whopperish and they kept just nodding along. It's really seemed like some sort of almost like a hypnotism. Yeah, no, it is. I think so. That's interesting. So you mentioned the hellbent. That's at eight minutes, 35 seconds. And he says, pool, hellbent on killing a person, give them whatever. And Eccles goes, yes. So he's like reaffirming (laughs) that lie. See what I'm saying? I have that in my notes. Go watch, just go watch another 15 minutes or any listener. Go watch the, the link to this. It's uh, something else. Right. But in the Echo's new talking point is that he was 18 years old. He didn't know anything and he was so poor. And he likes to use the expression, the controversial expression. This is his words, not mine. Quote, white trash, unquote, that they were happy to dispose of. And poor me. I was so poor. I didn't know anything. I trusted my lawyers when they told me John Mark Byers did it. That's why I went around and said John Mark Byers did it on camera and everything else for years and right. years and years and years. Yeah, that's in the second uh, Paradise Lost documentary is him. him right. and, and then he uh, says that he that John Mark Byers joined in on his promotional campaign. Right. Which there well, are pictures of them story, together. Which I thought was interesting. I was like, wow, what was he getting paid for that, if anything? Yeah, I mean, it was just wild. Like, um, and I don't think he does. He know that John Mark Byers is dead now. He has to, don't you think? He talked about him like he was still alive. Yeah, it's weird. But still, no, no name attached. That guy, the other father, the other stepfather. That was right. something that you know was just so callous to the victims and just to the other people involved in the story. Yeah, like why wouldn't Fairbanks admit that she met Hobbs on Facebook? Why wouldn't she just say it was Hobbs? Right. Right. Very odd. Very odd. But now now this is some shadowy guy in the police that Damien Eccles knows who did it, but doesn't want to say. He says he never wants to accuse another person and ruin their life after ruining the life of two grieving stepfathers by accusing him of, of the murder he pled guilty to. Right. I mean, how wild is this interview? It's bad. It's even going over it again. It's even worse because they Hop's life got ruined. He was blamed. People showed up at his job, said he's the killer, you know, all this stuff. And that lie that they said is also in the first 10 minutes is they found the hair of the stepfather matched, right? They use the word match, if I remember. Right. right. They use the word match when it matches like 30 million Americans or <laughs> right. something like that. It doesn't match. It's, uh, right. Consistent it's a is a better word. Yeah. A right. match would be one in a million or something. Right. right. Exactly. So, and that's from um, them. That's from their defense, right? It was entered into the record from the defense team. So Right. And then he tries to throw in Jerry Driver into this. Right. Can you talk about who Jerry Driver was? And Jerry Driver how? was his probation officer. Mm-hmm. And he's passed away too. But they've always he's always maligned Jerry Driver. And this, but he was uh, now a pedophile. He would drive around with two other cops and ask people for our kids for sexual favors. Apparently, I never heard any of that story. But uh, driver, there are statements of driver, and there's actually a recorded statement of him just kind of giving information about Eccles because he knew about Eccles, he knew right? Eccles. And and he says that um, the state said that they took uh, two to three a long time try before they ever focused in on me in their investigation. But I know for a fact that the policeman immediately on finding the boys one of the victims in the ditch pulled him out and said, oh, Damien Eccles has finally gone and killed somebody. 
Had you ever heard that story before? No. No, there were some things I did not. This is the first time some of the stuff, the 200K stuff, I've never heard about. I, I don't think that, that how would Damien Echoes know that had happened if that had ever happened? And Damien Echoes wasn't on it really anyone's radar until Jesse Miskelly started opening his mouth, as far as I Well, they know. interviewed him after the murders. If you remember, there is something in the record. A couple days later, they took a statement from him, and then he went into the police force. And then they ran. I think he failed his his. He took a um, lie detector test, failed, and said, uh, "If I'll talk to my mom and tell you everything." And then right. he clammed up. And so then his mom was, came in, and then he clammed up. Right. Clammed up. It was like you're not talking. Right. So he didn't talk. So they didn't have anything really on him until until June third. So the whole notion that they like focused on him permanently, I don't know if that's really tr true, but uh, no, he was a and suspect. If they, and if someone said something like, oh, Damien Eccles, he went and did it again, why would they, can you talk a little bit about his mental health history and why someone would say something like that? About on his appeal, when he was 18? right, so he got convicted of capital murder. There was an appeal and his defense went back and got a lot of his mental health records leading up to June Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, no, May 5th, 1993. So he had been in three different facilities. He'd been in three, one actually in Oregon. He had moved to Oregon briefly, but there were 500. It was called, it's referenced as Exhibit 500 because there's over 500 documents. It's pretty voluminous, I would say. Mm -hmm. And it goes into kind of his mental case. He was on a drug called Impramine, I think, mm -hmm. antidepressant. And he there was a lot of like stuff that he admitted to, drinking blood, gives him power. His occultism, starting um, he had, fires. He's starting in and fires. out of mental health. Right. He had uh, been. He was on probation. He was on mm -hmm. probation. Right. So he was like in one somebody's trailer, and he was killing cats, killing yeah, dogs. Yeah. Um, his own parents were afraid he was going to hurt some of the kids in the home. I mean, I invite any of uh, anyone to check out Exhibit Five Hundred. Five hundred pages of really scary mental health history. So if someone would have said at the time Damien Eccles has finally killed somebody. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised in that community because he had the reputation for being very violent and very disturbed, not just a little depressed goth adolescent, really disturbed and dangerous individual. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what the court record shows. And it kind of, he admits it in the first time I've ever heard him reference himself as a savage was in this uh, thing. So he says, oh yeah, we were savages, which verifies and kind of goes in uh, and validates a lot of the stories that were being told around West Memphis. These guys being at Stonehenge, killing and eating dogs and just doing all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? Right. Didn't one per woman say that Baldwin tried to steal her dog? Yeah, Steeler dog. There was like pig's head stuff going. Yeah, we leave pig's heads. That was another statement from another kid. I can't remember. It was a climber who said, mm -hmm. yeah, we did something with a pig's head. Like they were savages, man. And he admits that. And even Driver put in, I think uh, uh, he made a statement that he would see them walking around like they were druids, like with staves or staffs or something and cloaks, like just all kinds of uh, stuff that m most people would not 
uh, in their suburban life would not be not see not see you know so but yeah he referenced himself as a savage in this interview pretty interesting so what Back else stuck stuck out for you in this interview well, just so that he's changed too. Like I'm not the same person I was back then. Um, all That's that a favorite for murderers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've changed. So it, there's a lot of kind of, I think admissions. I think that that's an admission like, Oh yeah, I'm not the same person I was back then. Blah, blah, blah. Then he also like, Oh, you know, found in running water. They don't know what happened. Hard to tell there were wounds versus animal predation. So they got the animal predation stuff in there. Mm-hmm. You know? Um isn't it an interesting moment where Tim Poole asked him, well, if the, I think it was Tim Poole, excuse me if it was Cassandra, but asked him, if they found this person, would you want responsible for the West Memphis, for these three eight-year-olds murder, would you want them to be executed? And Damien Eccles, who went with Johnny Depp to the Capitol <laughs> house in Arkansas to protest the death penalty says he's not sure if he would want him executed or not. And then Tim Pool asks him, well, what what it must feel like to know that you're going to be executed and that you didn't do it. And I thought to myself, you know what's a better exercise, Tim? Why don't you think about what it would be like to be murdered by some three teenage kids when you're eight, an eight-year-old kid and be brutally tortured by them and know you're going to die and be screaming for your, your mother and father. What must that feel like, Tim? It's always, you know, I think our society is always putting ourselves in the mind of the, quote, falsely accused and never the victim. And we're more likely to be the victim than the falsely accused or falsely Good convicted. Point. I totally agree. Good point. Like these, they were drowned too. The kids were drowned, tied up and drowned. And in Miskelly's mm-hmm. additional confessions, he says, like, they were wiggling like a worm, mm-hmm. which kind of yeah. gives more credence like this. So, um, and then one has their genitals cut off, like super brutal. And the stab wounds on the face, one of them had something like they got hit with a stick, hard enough to break their skull. So, right. And Damien Echoes brings it up like the, the community was really upset and they had to calm down the community by, by, <laughs> by charging us with a crime we didn't commit. Right. That'll that'll calm down the community, right? I think it was kind of like uh, I was. There was like subtle admissions in this to savages, and that he's a changed person. But he also said something at nine at the nine minute mark where he says there was this intense psychic pressure, but it changes the air. It changed that community to its foundation. So he's not inviting himself, thing, yeah. But he he's acknowledging that this sent psychic waves like through the thing, and I've and if. That's actually not an uncommon thing for some of these serial killers. They they know the effect of the murder of somebody who they've killed, the loss. Right. So you think that he's bragging? He says it, this, meaning our conviction gives the community a sense of closure. We'll never use the word conviction. It's always that they accused him of doing something. But so Echo says our conviction gives the community a sense of closure. Um, it relieves the psychic pressure. I think something like that. Um, and it changed the community to its foundation, not in a pleasant way. Right. Right. So like it's that to me is almost like a, a inconsistent with a lot of the other. I've had that kind of misfortune of studying a lot of the kind of serial killings and stuff like that. It ties in with other people, murderers and what they they're con, like the acknowledging of the consequences of their action is to create kind of like a, a disturbance in the psychosphere. Like they're acknowledged that, that that's what happened. 
And that's what happened. He, to right. See. So he must make, make him feel powerful. I did it. Oh, you're right. Like that, that to me, like there are little weird, subtle things like this that he admits to. Right. There's other things. Like if you go to Fairbanks, she's talking about Hobbes on things and Eccles is like, exactly. So he's like, you know, doing all the stuff. Like it's incredible. And then Fairbanks says, Terry Hobbes hair was in the shoelace. Like, so she makes this affirmative statement at 18 minutes, 27. She right. says it's Terry Hobbes's hair and Eccles goes, right. Right. Mm, when he right. just said before that it was a policeman. Right. And he knows who it is with right, someone with point. ties to the police department who he knows who it is. Some shadowy figure he's not going to identify. Yeah. But now it's Terry Hobbs again. What, what, yeah, watch all this. Watch him nodding here. along while they're wrong. Watch it in the, in the 1929 moment. Tim Pool yeah. goes, they tar so they target a mentally handicapped individual, get him to confess, to yeah. target the people, to cover up his escape, to cover up everything they knew more about. And Eccles is just sitting there nodding along. Like, I don't know who was doing the editing, but they're, like, are exposing his, like, physical gestures and stuff. Like, yeah, I got you exactly where I want you. He's got Poole right there. Poole is not, uh, yeah, he's a doorknob, man. Not, not, not that <laughs> he's impressed. Like, he's no, it gets even worse. The prison movie he's ever seen. Yeah. No, I mean, we, I'm, I'm only at, like, the 20, the 30 minute mark. I have so many more notes of, like, stuff that he did. Like uh, he's talking about the degradation of American culture at 42 minutes. This is an example of the degradation of American culture. You're literally sitting along a guy who is lying to you and leaving, omitting so many facts. It's just an astonishing contradiction. Like, wow, you're like supposedly going to build up the culture and you've got this guy on. That's your third choice. Wow. Right. Right. Because we have, a, I, I loved when he said, we have a serious crime here, but it's too hard to solve and the public's mad. So let's murder innocent people to be done with it. Right. <laughs> Why uh, not? This... And then he starts talking about killing the mentally handicapped. And Eccles isn't so sure. Um, uh, for, first, uh, Eccles says, yeah, well, we shouldn't kill the mentally handicapped. And he brings up an example of, someone on death row who wanted to save his last meal for after the execution. And Tim Poole says, well, what's wrong with killing the mentally handicapped? <laughs> and Eccles goes, well, and I thought this was an admission. He says, well, in another environment, maybe they would not be dangerous. And I was like, well, that's uh, sure turned out to be the case in your case, Eccles. You're out here. And I think that the only thing that's saving you from committing another violent crime is all the Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Accolades and public attention you get. It's incredible. Is it? And I think that the assault on the kind of police officers and the unjust assault by Eccles on the police and... Uh, legal system is unprecedented like it's always them oh they're right all we talk about bad cops. cops right right the cops are terrible the cops are really the real murderers i think right. even tim pool uses an expression like that there sometimes it turns out the cops are, are criminals themselves or killers themselves and our justice system is so terrible when has tim pool or cassandra fairbanks ever set foot in a courthouse ever I don't know. What do they know about our justice system? Maybe check it out a little bit before you put it down. 
Yeah, but he I wants to change the whole. Like he said, stuff. yeah, he said some incredible stuff, like about change. He wants to change the whole system. It's totally corrupt. So that's the the example of what Eccles has done. He's like mm-hmm. placed these things that it's always the system and always unjustly. Um, you know, dude, there's enough in- evidence to arrest you and convict you, and convict right. you over again. So give me a break. You admitted that in 2011. Do you admit right. that there's enough? Admit. Uh, uh, facts and evidence to convict you again of this yes they all said yes to that they wrote it you can go right. look at that agreement it's signed <laughs> it's online there's Tiny. one part where where echo says well the deliberations were short and then he catches himself he goes and he goes well i don't remember how long the deliberations were so because it contradicts him if if the evidence is so weak and comical against you why did it take the jury such a quick time to convict you and and Cassandra Fairbanks also made a very interesting admission that she watched the Murdoch trial and thought that he should have got off. So what is her standard for evidence? How high does it have to be? If it, is it DNA or nothing for her? Probably. They're probably the DNA, you know, uh, what do you call it? CSI effect type people. Right, There's no DNA. The they're time, innocent. No. They you can find the, your DNA there. Therefore, you're innocent. Right. Heaven forbid she ever go into a bank and leave a hair and it get robbed the next day yeah, because really, she did she, it. Yeah. No <laughs> and doubt. they find that air. That's good right? enough for me. That's like right. the, uh, that's a corollary to the Eddie Vedder standard, which is I looked Damien Eccles in the eye and I knew he was innocent. <laughs> I know they mentioned Vedder too at the, right. And, and oh, that's what they talk about. How did you let these guys try? How did you trust the HBO people? And Damien Eccles is complaining about the media lying about him. He got the most love letter press ever. And he says, I didn't know how to deal with the media. What about your PR representative, Lonnie Surrey? That was right. Good one point. of the, the media was it's part of their, their lawyers. Uh, Reardon's part of his work was to get, uh, you know, uh, people on board with the media to talk about the case, to get public attention to the case. And he even admits that, right? At the end, we got to right. keep at the very end. He says, We got to keep this out in the public so people know about this. Keep it in the right. public eye. It's the only they, reason they, they didn't kill me. That's what he said. Because they only respond to the spotlight, is what Damien Eccles. He doesn't say <clears throat> attention, media attention, <laughs> the spotlight. He wants to be, he wants this, his DNA quest in the wrong jurisdiction years later after he's signed away all his rights. <laughs> to test anything basically uh and pleading guilty now he wants this stuff tested now it's desperately important and he wants everybody to put pressure on the attorney general he talked about the attorney general a lot in this that's the new uh, enemy sanders by name right sanders and Mm -hmm. all this stuff he wants to make their life miserable miserable yeah he's going to try to just like he made that laser uh, what was it not laser but the first one bennett like they made his life yes. literally miserable and so did hbo like but they but isn't it funny now damien eccles is saying he won't accuse anyone because first he said he knew how horrible it was to be accused himself that's what he said first after right. john mark byers and now after accusing two grieving stepfathers he says he could uh he he just could be <laughs> could be wrong yeah, my favorite is this is kind of in the Amanda Knox thing at the 40-minute mark. He says, Yeah, the law's not cut and dried. They find two laws that contradict it. Who can whoever can make the most convincing argument? It's almost sales. That's what he said. It's almost sales. Yeah. You remember that? 
Yes. Oh, man, yes. It was just one whopper lie after yeah, the other. I mean, everything out of his mouth, including his name, is a lie. His real name is Michael Hutchinson. Whatever. Damien Eccles. Everything out of his mouth is a lie in this interview. It's incredible. Does just anybody incredible. have any questions for us? Yeah. Um, I have I have tons more. We, I'm not okay, even at the going. half minute mark. Yeah. I mean, if you want to wrap it up, we can do that. No, they, sure. um, he says, what, what does it says? He says, Eccles is like driving them insane with torture, continually victimizing them, raping them and with shock and trauma. So he's really building up this whole story that he was abused, right? And there's mm -hmm. no proof that he was taken down into some hole and beat up, right? He did, he, one of the stories he did leave out, which is really incredible, is his teeth. Remember, his teeth were about to fall out. Oh, yeah. yeah that story doesn't seem to, uh, you know, be in. Oh, that, let's but... go into his two mentors. Right. He, this was a, a shocker. It's well, a shocker. He, he said, That's the new one, yeah. He said, with all the support he got with Johnny Depp and all these celebrities, it wasn't nearly as helpful as his spiritual practice. And and two men were of most influence. Uh, one was, of course, Aleister Crowley. And the other was, get ready, guys. Anybody have a guess? Joel Olstein. Right. Incredible. That's it's a, a perfect... huge influence to David yeah. Eccles. He was about to get lost, and then he would listen to a Joel Osteen, you know, story and be revivified. <clears throat> How did he listen to it on a gramophone that they had on Death Row? Yeah, look so at how look at his technology. He also he also makes an, a really interesting statement about his view of humanity. Remember, like the whole sheep and wolves, wolves eat sheep stuff that he said back in '93. But at the 54 minute, he yeah. goes, "I lose all faith and hope in humanity." You look at the system, the media, before the evidence came out in our favor, howl for my blood, all this stuff is flawed, someone's making money, you look at humanity is absolutely lost and damned and every institution is dirty. So that right. tells you his worldview, man, right there. So that's why, that's why he can keep going, because he has a gripe against everything, right? <laughs> the system, the institutions, humanity, still it's not changed. But he says also that that his time in prison allowed him to help people. Who has Damien Eccles helped besides himself ever? Nobody. <laughs> no one. Yeah. And they ask him about his friend friendships. One, his friendship with Baldwin. He said, oh, maybe on Christmas I'll give him a call, blah, blah, blah. But it sounds like he hasn't been able to maintain any of his friendships in New York from those first he was hanging out with tattoo people and artists right. Right. and celebrities you don't see him with johnny depp anymore it doesn't seem like he's able to maintain friendships at all doesn't seem like it he doesn't seem to be on the celebrity um circuit as much so i don't mm -hmm. know what happened i don't know what happened but yeah i mean maybe they people are like getting real to the what the, the whole you know grift mm -hmm. scam is so with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, 
I mean, it's incredible. And and like uh, you made the point of Poole's pop references. He just had so many. The Joker, some movie I'd never heard of, The Life of David Gale, Fight Club. <laughs> Fight Club, <laughs> assume, Green Mile. Point, stop. <laughs> I'll give him credit for Blackstone's analysis, but uh, the other ones are just like... But then one of my, up... one <laughs> so... of the whoppers that I had uh, that made me kind of fall off my chair is when at 5430... Uh, uh, Poole is talking about the Covington kid story and he says about the people who misinterpreted that he says they don't care if it's true they are not going to check the evidence You, it's really scary when you realize it can result in someone dying so like he literally says they wouldn't check the evidence when he didn't check the evidence for the West Memphis 3 or Eliza Blue <laughs> Eliza Blue there you go I mean I looked at Eliza Blue years ago and I thought oh no <laughs> something's really wrong with their story but it didn't occur to anyone else it didn't pique anyone else's interest. I mean, <laughs> and right after Poole says that, Fairbank says, Thank goodness for HBO. And then Eccles goes, Yes, yes. So he's like reaffirming that, solidifying that. Incredible. <laughs> HBO, <clears throat> the HBO documentarians who set their eyes on them and said, We knew they were innocent the first time we looked at them. We've become advocates for them. Yeah. And then he, but, then he, Eccles drops at the one hour mark, two minutes. Uh -huh. It's estimated that one out of 10 executed are innocent on death row. I've never it's heard of that statistic. Estimated by who? The ACLU, yeah, the Innocence right. Project, who? Right. Most I of those people, the, the, the appeals are, are placed automatically when you get on death row. So they all got, those are all appellate. I mean, he, he acts like he didn't get his due process rights. He got so much due process, it's off the charts. Right, so, they act like this is all rushed through with no thought. Yeah, no, I mean, it's really, it's so stunning that Fairbanks, I mean, I think Fairbanks is fairly sophisticated. Like, she mm -hmm. writes full articles, but, like, they are in some kind of suggestive state. Like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how else to, how else to explain it. Well, I think it's hard to, at least for me, it was hard to accept that our media supported these child killers and just... Right. wrote echoed whatever their pr team wanted them to say i don't think i've seen one critical article in a mainstream publication about the west Memphis three have no, you no. no not in a mainstream i've seen stuff on the internet but everything they wouldn't he that I mean it's a perfect example of how he picks his spots is because he only goes with people who are sympathetic or he knows has have the story that he wants to hear that's There's how another, they do yeah, it. Yeah, right. They, they just it. hammer it home, ignore the critics, just can't keep talking their talking points, even though their talking points change so much. The truth never changes, but their story sure does. I mean, even the difference between a couple years ago, now Terry Hobbs is a okay. I guess that's John true. Mark Byers. That's now it's some yeah. new shadowy figure connected to the police department. I mean, you know, it changes so much, even with Baldwin and the and the guy at the and his alibi that he remembered. Remember that that got changed. I mean, their stories change all the time. All the time. So whatever the the West Memphis three PR talking point is, you have to really <laughs> hone in on their uh, on who's talking and when, because it changes constantly. It's incredible. Yeah. Alistair Crowley. I'm synonymous with this that case. He would talk about Joel Olstein, but not Alistair Crowley. Yeah, at all. interesting. It is interesting. Well, who, why didn't they follow up on that? Poole just said, "Wow, 
He just wow, like another because wow. you're the person saying you were wrongfully convicted because of satanic panic and bloodlust. And, and then yet you say like the chief Satanist of the age, yeah. Like you didn't know anything else to say, but wow, go listen to that. That's at the one hour, 12 minute. Just listen to his response. Like he should have just said, why Aleister Crowley? Why Joe Olstein? Right, exactly. And then he and then Damien Eccles says he had a panic attack because he never used a bank card because he was convicted in 1993. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I had a bank card in 1991. Yeah, I vaguely remember having one. He's yeah, yeah I believe that technology tough. was around in the 90s, early 90s. I remember taking my bank card in college to the showing my age to the ATM but for Damien Eccles it was technology that was un- he was unable to deal with ditto the internet right because he was such a poor kid from a trailer park and that in prison a computer is like a glorified typewriter right right that's right you and know, then he had a nervous breakdown when he got right he had a nervous breakdown on the outside world that prison was a lot easier for him to handle so which is it? Was prison the worst thing that ever happened? Was it torture? Or was it a lot easier than the outside world and the outside world was so hard after after prison? Which is it? Right. No, it's incredible. And then having those, those two talk about the prison industry and having Eccles comment on it is rich. You know, that's just incredible. Like rich, you're the reason why prison No, he's not sure if he's anti-death penalty anymore. Right. When did that happen? And so someone put up earlier uh, uh, here, Saggy Bone says, is, with Tim Pool is Echoes trying to get attention from right-wing media now. My understanding of Tim Pool is that he made his bones on op- um, Occupy Wall Street so that he was more of a kind of middle of the road to left-wing journalist and it's kind right. of you know, gone, gone right. So I think that's was that Echo's hesitation to commit to a position on the death penalty? Was it because he was on Tim Pool's podcast because of the audience? I don't know. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. I don't know. It is interesting that another pop culture reference of Poole and his interpretation of this was a song called by, by Judith by Perfect Circle, which is Tool Maynard Keenan or whatever. He's for good friends with uh, Joe Rogan, actually. Interesting. But it's like says, F your God, F your Christ. Like that's super blasphemous. Oh, awful. Yeah. So he didn't even like, he didn't even like get the point of it. It's like, I never stopped to question my faith in Jesus, blah, blah, blah. It's a, it's blasphemy. And there was another, his finishing thing where he goes in at the end, where he leaves all of his stuff about intelligence and energy is straight blasphemy. So we are all literally god incarnate just like jesus was wow wow i thought that was shocking too yeah Yeah. it's shocking so he left that for the end but that's total blasphemy and crowley and you know man there's no god but man 
No mention of Lori Davis, his wife. What do you think? But going they were on talking there? to her at the very end. At the very end, she was off camera, but they were chatting. So she must have been sitting there monitoring him or something. I don't know. wonder how that's going. He said that um, he's leaving New York City, Damien Eccles, because New York City has changed during lockdown. Now, granted, it has changed. A lot of things are closed. Uh, crime is up. But I really think he got priced out of New York. And there's no shame in that. I mean, you know. New York is ridiculously out of control expensive right now. I don't think he could afford to stay. Well, it's interesting. He didn't mention Salem, did he? So he just said he was 10 years in New York. Well, that's not true because you went straight to Salem. Right. That's right. He got where he got so, basically thrown out, of, out of there. Right. Like he didn't fill his business plan or some, something happened. I don't know. Right. But, uh, and I didn't believe that that lawyer walked off with their money and never. I had never anything. heard that. Had you heard that before? Don't you think they would sue if that happened? That's for so their money, money back? So much money. I mean, did he get that idea from the Murdoch trial? Maybe. Who stole from his clients? Is this a new. Is he putting in little bits of pop culture into his story now? But isn't that his worldview that everything is, is corrupt and fixed and evil? So the system's evil, the lawyers are evil. You know, right, and you, police are evil. You see that a lot with convicted killers interview. They like to really hone in on the people that convicted me or the real killers, the real evil people. And right. and what I did was not that bad. I think it's a way of rationalizing what you did wasn't that bad. They're trying to kill me and innocent to nothing me. with no evidence. No evidence, yeah. At least wow. I was killing three eight-year-old boys because of a I wanted to get satanic powers from a human sack, whatever the reason he did it. Who knows? Whatever his own reasons are. And then like Fairbanks at the very end, she says, I love your books. I think everyone should read them. She had read all of his books or something. So she's like, a, she's a simp. Somebody called her a uh, Eccles simp, which is like sympathetic, but she's like a fangirl. Yeah. Uh, My best friend connected to these movies from the, we've been best friends since the fourth grade. And he cannot talk about this case. He says it's just too, he's too connected to it. He wow. just can't hear it. I think there's a point where you just go beyond <laughs> rational thought and you become like a, a fan. You're right, a simp or a fan. You're not in your right mind. You're in your emo in an emotional, emotional connection, yeah. attachment space. It's incredible. One of the other things he, he like lies, I don't think about this stuff on a daily basis. And then, but that's all he talks about. Like he's all going back to jail. I mean, going back for the DNA tests and all this stuff. Right. Yeah. But if it were so true, how could you not think about it? If you're having breakdowns in the bank, trying to make a deposit, according to him, you, your eyesight is affected. You can't read faces. Your brain injured from what? I don't know. Sitting alone in a room. Uh, my question is, how could he forget how could he right. how could he not think about it if it's affecting him so much if he has so much post traumatic stress trauma from it how could he not you know it's just another kind of evasion or or lie but yeah i think some stuff comes through and all that he really i think he if you break down that whole thing and he's using these techniques of uh thought adjustment thought maintenance with these two um where he's he's programming them almost and some of the stuff that comes out he says yeah, he lost all faith want... in him. And Crowley even brought up Crowley. So there's another thing. That was through the case from the very beginning, actually at trial. So 1993, it hasn't really changed. 
Yeah, he's kind of laying off the satanic panic. Now it's sort of like a moral panic and a bloodlust of the community, not so much a satanic panic. Because it's harder for him to defend it since he's done nothing but devote his whole life to the occult since leaving prison. Right. They conveniently don't quite bring up the context or the content of his books. Oh, I just write books. They're all about ritual magic and right. Crowley and you know all this stuff. Why do you think that's important? Because I think it goes to what he was really up to. I think that that's that he was probably involved in magic or occultism. And they eventually just got a human victim. I think that was it. That's what happened back in 93. I think that's what happened. I mean, God only knows what's going on since he's been out of jail. But, um, yeah, I think that that was the, that was the primary motivation. And to a certain extent is, mm-hmm. you know, human. I mean, I think that's, what that's is this? behind the murder. Why is our culture so obsessed with this idea of the innocent man falsely convicted? What is it about America that that really resonates with us? Don't you think it's like in the human heart, it's like you're sympathetic for people who got the shaft. So if people think that they've gotten uncomfortable things from the system that they can they can identify with somebody else's story who had that happen to them. I think that might be it. Like all of these innocent fraud, fraud and innocent stuff is just it's too much. He's part of it. So oh, it's, the, it's so massive it now. Yeah. Innocence fraud is bigger than ever now. The amount of money and what they've done and it just corrupted our justice system. So now that we, with these new woke DAs, we have two defense attorneys talking to each other in court and no one representing the victim or society. Right. It's That's wild. Incredible. I mean, it's like saying, oh, I, I'd like to win the Super Bowl every year. So we're going to have the same team playing each other. So whoever wins, you know what I mean? It'll be like the Dallas Cowboys against the other half of the Dallas Cowboys. But in within the innocence fraud, innocence, you know, lie community, why don't they just take a step and look at the evidence? Why don't they just know that these people, like that's the basis of a conviction is evidence. And a lot of this is public. Why don't they take the step to just sit down and read whatever case it is the innocence fraud stuff on so many trials. Why don't they, why did they not acknowledge why the state made the move? It did. I mean, a lot, I'm all starting these, to think yeah. it's a conspiratorial, conspiratorial mindset of one point in this, uh, Tim Fool says, I'm going to get really deep conspiracy theorists here. And you need a conspiratorial mindset to, except these innocence fraud campaigns, because I don't think that they trust the record. I think that they, if they find something damning in the record, they're going to think it's planted or they're always going to be looking for a reason why. And, it, and for a reason pointing away from the people that got convicted. I think you're right. That's why the people will not look into certain elements of this case. It doesn't resonate with them. Like it, uh, the 500 pages of his, psych records it's just somebody conspiring but it's from his defense like, his own defense it, team right yeah, right i think you get I, I think also these are very sheltered people who have not lived life tim pool's entire frame of reference seems to be movies i don't right. think he's been out there with real you know there's a certain amount when you deal with a certain amount of grifters and con men and you know get on the playing field of life and right. get kicked around a little bit you you have a sense of how things work and 
Damian Eccles is spinning a massive fantasy, a wild whopper of a tall yeah, tale right. story about himself. And anyone who's lived life even a little bit would, you would think they, or eyebrows would were raised. But I thought to myself, and I'm going to ask you this, William Ramsey, is watching this, do you think it ever occurred to Cassandra or Tim that they might be sitting across from a triple child killer? No. No, all the way to the end. Two hours of just sitting there. She I might think, get a hint, but I don't think Tim Poole has a glimmer of anything. Like He's I a true he's, believer, and I don't yeah. think it would bother him if he did. I think he's very much like Eccles, very much out for himself and, and interested in himself. I mean, that reaction to that Eliza Blue thing to to say my critics are really the problem, not me and my my <laughs> foolish decisions is really... It's scary. That's a narcissist. It's really is scary. Yeah. It's scary. Like I think the study of this isn't just a study of Eccles. It's about Poole and Fairbanks, because you're just seeing this repeated over and over in society, where the innocence fraud campaign, like that you have, you know, shown me with flying colors, is like still happening. It's because of these people. Oh, it's who, worse. It's yeah. way worse than when I started the podcast. It's way worse. It's it's, worse. it's much more corrupt. And it, I mean, they're getting to the attorney general, <laughs> to the DAs. I mean, yeah. it's they're putting in innocence. I mean, former defense attorneys as DAs, and their their right. number one concern is how many people can we get out of prison? How many people can we defer, you know deter from prison? Which sounds good until you find out what they did and whether you'd want those kind of people next door to you. And the in the enormous amount of crime that's going on in this country because of it it's directly connected to this movement you can see the crime on the rise i mean i think that even in seattle like um it was one of the big box stores moved out because they just couldn't stand the crime and i think it's all about this attitude right oh Oh, yeah i mean you just sort of like laugh if someone says i'm gonna call the police because good luck having them come there's so few of them and they're so overworked right now and the criminals know they're not going to get convicted. Is there anything we missed that you want to talk about? You know, I'm, I've got tons of notes. I just think that there's a <laughs> lot of admissions here by 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 Eccles. I think you can really, if you critically analyze this, it's very disturbing. Not just to see Eccles just, like you said, just weave a kind of fantasy land picture, but also that these two journalists, these are kind of, fairly well-known journalist in the U.S. to just have no absolute clue. Like, they didn't even ask, like, one suspicious question about one piece of everything. Like, they didn't even do anything. It just was, like, them uh, being passive. It's really No, it was like they were sitting down with a Dalai Lama or some holy man, really. Yeah. The reverence that they gave him was outrageous. It's true. Like, oh, you suffered so much. You know, I'm not like you. I didn't. I wasn't in jail in private for 18 years, you know, like he was some kind of like heroic figure who endured unjust punishment. It's incredible. You're right. It's incredible. Like, come on, pool. Right. What are you doing? If they were sitting at his feet, it wouldn't have been any, any different. Right. That was the, it was like guru devotee. Right. <laughs> Even the body language the was telling like pool is on his back. Like, he looked half stoned and he's picking in his eyes mm-hmm. and Eccles is sitting upright, attentive, leaning forward. Like he's at a job interview. Like he is on point for two hours. 
it was very interesting too. Right, so all was, all the way leaned forward. Um, yeah. Eccles was yeah. like very engaged and yes. making sure that they said the right things. And you know, he's amazing, Eccles, that he can get the interviewers to basically give his interview. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yes. No. No. There's. I mean, he has that book, Mind Magic. I don't know what's in it, but there's something. <laughs> he knows something. I'm, I assure you. He studied something, and a lot of these occultists had. It was kind of like that whole same crime case that happened at uh, Sarah Lawrence. Like, I knew right from the beginning that guy had cult knowledge. Like, he yes. knew about cults, and then they found it. I think that it would be the same with Eccles. He knows how to reinforce his deception with his audience, especially. So he would, he, I think he knows everything from the step of who's this person? What do they think? How can I get them to think like me? I think for sure. Like he's right. Exactly. And and I wonder if he, he studies neuro-linguistic programming, which is what Nexium used. Wouldn't be surprised. Yes. Wouldn't be surprised. So it's, That stuff uh, can be really yeah. powerful. It goes back to my original title, A Con Man and His Two Marks. That's, I, mean, I, I wish I had used that. That's a great title. You can. You can. <laughs> or you, the other, my other working title was The Culture War Number 3. You lost. <laughs> Humanity loses one. another one. Like He has no clue that he lost. That's Wait, the whole this, thing. That's the whole trick is Pool thinks he's doing something for creditable for society. It's incredible. Wait, it's there's, really incredible. there's one part where Tim Pool starts explaining some kind of concept, and I have no idea what he's talking about. Which one was it? Oh. Talking about anarcho tyranny, right? Yes. yes. What was that about? Yeah, he goes, it's oh, like anarcho tyranny, the chaos, the state will enforce against you what is I, that did not explain it very well for me anarcho tyranny does anyone I think he was that saying is? that as the police go back to people will have to have guns and then to stop things like this because people will have to take the law you know defense self-defense into their own hands i think that's so when one person has one gun and the police <laughs> put a giant SWAT team on you, the person with one gun will win? Is that what he's saying? I don't know. It's just like, it was Wild. so bizarre. And then like, and just like, Eccles is just really, def I mean, engaged in belittling and defame. I mean, the, the police and the cop and the lawyers. There was right before that, the anarcho tyranny. He goes, if the cop wants to, he'll just tell it to the judge. And then the reason we were in that situation is that situation is we were throwaways, and that's not so. He, they had right. The judges I said actually, okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. I it's mean, from this interview, you would think that the prosecution's job is to present their no evidence for the jury to can to look at that no evidence and convict right. them, and the no, judge should do whatever the what the DA wants or the police wants. I'm not sure how that works on that end. I think that Jesse Miss Kelly had a good attorney. Like he was really trying to fight for him. Mm -hmm. Even, I mean, those recorded confessions, he's saying, don't do it. This is going to affect your, your right. appeal. Be quiet. Stop. You know, he's trying to do his job like in an objective way. And I think the guy went on to stood and went on to be a judge to his right. credit. I, so I, don't know. I have put no. it out there since my very first podcast, I've asked, West Memphis three supporters to please let me know, explain to me why Jesse Miss Kelly would confess so many times post conviction uh, against his best interest. And i still have not gotten a satisfactory answer besides his IQ was low. That's what they all say, but I'm not sure how the low IQ 
goes into that. To me, that seems to, you know, contradict that, but okay. Yeah, if he has a low IQ, it probably makes it harder for him to, to tell. So, like, you have to give Eccles credit. He's smart. But, right. like, I, if Jesse is a low IQ, how is he, like, weaving these stories like Eccles does? Right. How would you remember that? They say that the police told him what to say. How would you get such a low IQ? How could you remember it consistently from confession to confession? And then they say, oh, well, there's so many changes, but there really aren't. It's pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People, I think it's convincing. You can listen to right. yourself. The audio's there. So you don't even have to read it. You can listen to him talk. And if every That's... detail were consistent, they would say, look, it was fed to him. Every detail right. is consistent. The police fed him the story. So right. you really they all admitted win, it at one right? time or another. Baldwin admitted it in jail. There's a written statement from one of his right. jail friends. Eccles publicly said I did it. So uh, and that right. was in court. So, I mean... Oh, Dale Griffiths yeah. just ain't going to cut it. What does that mean? I don't know. You need a practicing occultist who understands it. Uh, Dale Griffiths isn't going to cut it. What is your impression of Dale Griffiths? I mean, he was working in the time that he was. I mean, I think that he at that time was like the expert. I don't know if he got everything right, but they put him on still and, and he was an ex-cop. And he had a right. pretty decent pre-internet library is my understanding. So he's passed away, but uh, I mean, who, who would know? did a great interview with him before he, he passed on. Yeah, there's a lot. And we've done tons yeah. of West Memphis three discussions. Sure we? Have. That was one of our first ones was me talking to you about the West Memphis three. Yeah. Back in the day. But yeah. Yeah. There's a whole playlist for anyone who really wants to deep dive into the evidence which we didn't, this really wasn't a show about the evidence against the West Memphis Three. We did touch on it a little bit in the beginning, but for people who are interested in the evidence against the West Memphis Three, I have tons and tons of podcasts. You had other you had other guests on. We talked about the most recent DNA stuff. So you've had other people than me talk about the West Memphis Three too, right? Did yeah. We, did we, yeah, we did that one. So people can check those out. Yeah, it was a really big, shocking thing. Uh, I was a real believer after the documentaries. It was very shocking. Uh, when yeah, I, I mean, I, I was, I thought they got out on the technicality. I just started reading it. I mean, it was really kind of the, my interest in this whole thing really came out of my research into Crowley. So once I saw that one video where Alistair Crowley's mentioned, and it is, Alistair Crowley came up in this interview. But once I saw that, I was like, oh, I better look into this. And I did a lot of head scratching. It's very complex. So people don't have, a good understanding it's deliberate that there's so much uh chaff among the wheat but uh right they deliberately i think also that's another reason why they might change their defense pr talking point so much just to keep all the balls in the air and keep confusing people yeah i think that's deliberate i think it yeah. really is i mean that's really one one of the reasons why i put together my book is it's just laid out very simply on a, on a Save, uh, time by time, you know, analysis chapter by chapter on dates and stuff. So that, because that is not even done on, on Callahan's. So some people have like criticized me. Oh man, that book is just a bunch of records from the court. I said, exactly. It's exactly. Exactly. It the most unbiased. <laughs> I barely have <laughs> any like self and self statements. I just go, yeah, this is what he said. This is what he said. This is what happened. These are the yeah, statements. Abomination uh, by William Ramsey. Excellent book on the West Memphis Three. What are you up to lately? Everybody's been asking, where's your YouTube channel? What are you up to? What's yeah. going on? My YouTube what channel got on? taken away. So that was my third one. I can't get oh, into no. my second. All my stuff is on Rockfin. 
So all my interviews are there. My uh, podcast is in the top 0.5% of podcasts in the world. So the top 15,000. So you can see all my audios and interviews. I'm still interviewing. Uh, I haven't really, I just got censored. I keep getting censored. So uh, I don't get my first amendment rights. I don't get my constitutional rights. Um, So for some reason from some of this crazy culture right now, but uh, yeah, you can see all my stuff on Rockfin. I'm close to 900 episodes. I think you're my biggest, most guests. Yeah. We've done the most shows together, you and me. And uh, yeah. So then I'm working on a documentary on kind of this whole cult Nazi stuff that's around. And I said, it used to be on rumble. I really should. I, I have to start, streaming back to rumble but all my stuff's on rockfin and my, my podcast william ramsey investigates you can check that out on my website but yeah i'm still kind of busy i'm still kind of you are busy i see your podcast just coming out one after another yeah i mean <laughs> that's interesting because i was a I... guest yeah i was a guest you know for years and now i'm kind of like a host so it's been interesting excellent all right well i think i'm gonna end it here um i think we've done it uh, William right. Ramsey, thank you so much. Roberta, thanks for having me. It's great to talk with you again. Thanks. Have a great week, everybody. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.